Hey everyone, welcome back to Neuropod. In this episode, I'm going to give some background on Max Hodak of Neuralink, talk about his most recent article titled The Vanishing Computer, and give a reminder to everyone, including myself, that Elon is not himself the company Neuralink. Likewise, he's not himself the boring company SpaceX or Tesla in their entirety. Instead, these are companies with hundreds, thousands, ten, tens of thousands of team members working tirelessly, day and night, to make progress. One of those key team members for Neuralink is Max Hodak. He's the president of Neuralink, which I'm not sure of the particular details as it relates to Neuralink's company structure, but at least to the public, it feels like Max, Elon, and other team leaders work alongside each other in a pretty flat structure. This is likely partly driven by the intent of the team and also partly by the nature of the team being so small. At just over 100 team members, they have plenty of room to grow. So I'm going to try and keep up with some of the key leaders as they continue to expand their team. Max Hodak specifically demonstrated curiosity and capability pretty early on in his life. On his own personal page, he writes, I graduated from Duke University's Pratt School of Engineering in May 2012 after averaging 128,550 miles flown each of the prior two years commuting between full-time work in California and school and research in North Carolina. After school, I founded Transcriptic, a robotic cloud laboratory for the life sciences, and was CEO for five years before helping start Neuralink, which is presently my primary focus in life. Before all that, I founded MyFit, which developed analytical tools for helping colleges identify the next generation of high performers and was acquired by Naviance in October 2010. I've been programming since I was five or six, and am eagerly looking forward to a world more bits than atoms. Although he doesn't mention it in this blurb, he spent most of his time at Duke in one of the best neural engineering labs in the world, the Nicolelis Lab. Also, after watching the three talks he shared on his website, I'm convinced that he'd be comfortable with me saying that although he, he's demonstrated professional success so far, He's not a particularly like special human. Instead, he and most everyone else has incredible capability if they simply strive to do more and remain willing to break out of the perceived rules of society. Max has demonstrated his willingness to do this in practice. Flying more than 100,000 miles for two years in a row is pretty taxing. Also, creating the tech for a company during and immediately following high school is highly unusual. But this begs the question, should this be highly unusual? Max also dropped out of college for a little while, which again, society might not find reasonable, but who's to say it shouldn't be a normal thing to do? Is college worth it at all? Is it reasonable, quote unquote, to finish college? If you're already making huge progress with a given side project, especially, it might not be reasonable to finish college. By taking on more stuff and living by his own rules, Max has played a critical role, if not the most significant role, in growing Neuralink to where it is today. Needless to say, I'm in the process of becoming a fan of Max. I admire his courage and his curiosity. These simple traits should continue giving Neuralink good chances for good outcomes in the future. And Neuralink is going to need any additional help that they can get. Even without knowing all the details, it's pretty clear that the technical challenges they face are difficult. Many scientists and engineers have spent decades discovering new characteristics and developing technologies that help lay the groundwork for advanced brain-machine interfaces. 
but Neuralink is still working on some things that are completely new in the sense that the devices they're aspiring to make are not incremental ch changes. They're fundamentally new systems, new architectures, and new ways of thinking. I personally have a theory that this quote-unquote first principles thinking that Elon, Max, and others have popularized is extra powerful because it eliminates any preconceived ideas and assumptions and especially eliminates any thought regarding prior technologies not enabling new developments. By using first principles, you boil down every decision to be based on the most basic fundamental principles known to man. I'll provide an entirely unrelated example for context. In the case of vertical farming startup Plenty, the company sought to flip the farming industry model on its head by building a very tall vertical farm indoors in the middle of an urban environment, produce could be grown locally rather than thousands of miles away. You can think about back in the old days when strawberries were grown, every outdoor harvest was extremely dependent on the weather. Additionally, the need to ship strawberries on trucks would result in selecting the breed of strawberry that would be best suited for the really long journey. In other words, Strawberries that are durable and long-lasting would be prioritized over the softer, juicier, sweeter ones. It's obvious now that there are tons of ways to compensate and enhance the various qualities of each of the strawberries, but the ideal scenario is that everyone gets fresh, soft, juicy, and sweet strawberries consistently. From a technology perspective, in order to build this indoor farm, the Plenty team essentially had to calculate if they could get the economics of energy generation to offset the cost of transportation. A decade ago, most companies found the cost of transporting food thousands of miles was still less expensive than growing indoors in an urban environment. Now, that has changed, and it's changed to the benefit of those companies who are willing to use first principles logic to reason out what made the most sense. If a new company had preconceived ideas and assumptions about the available prior technologies, they wouldn't have even started, or they would have been stuck making incremental improvements. A new company, however, starting with fundamental physics and science principles, would have a much better shot at making this vertical farming idea work. They might not even realize how blasphemous their ideas might be to someone who's worked in that industry for a few decades. Likewise, Neuralink is working on an order of magnitude change and changes for brain-machine interfaces. The team has already shared how their ability to read and write neural data is an order of magnitude improvement from the known state-of-the-art devices out on the market. As an example, at the Neuralink Progress Update event held this past summer, DJ Sa, the head of implant systems and chip design, discussed the speed the team can read and write neural data. Afterwards, Elon added that this is just version 0.9, aspirationally version 1. As we go to version 2, 3, and 4, these things will expand, I think, ultimately by orders of magnitude, many orders of magnitude, end quote. This commentary reinforces how the entire team thinks. They want to create the world's most advanced brain-machine interface, and it's becoming increasingly likely that they'll be able to do that by a pretty substantial margin. To give more insight into what Max Hodak is thinking about, it's helpful that he just put out an article on his personal page about a week ago. He starts by saying that in the 1980s, humans envisioned a world where computers and the corresponding screens and wires would take over the world. 
Instead, machines have slowly disappeared. Simple things have become wireless. We can think of our mouse, our headphones, our chargers. People view computers today as the physical components of a screen, keyboard, and mouse. But over time, this may change. Max writes, once you can extract motor information and write visual information, all you need is a small block of compute with a battery and radios in your pocket. The computer effectively vanishes. He goes on to add, present phones are built around their screens and cameras, and so the demands on the neural interface support pocket compute block will be quite different. It almost certainly makes more sense to start over rather than try and have the implants paired to phones as they exist today. That blank page is also an opportunity to do better on security and reliability, which are closely related. It is an opportunity to make sure that these platforms are truly personal and private and work for us, and that we are not the product. I don't want to read into this too much, but it does at least keep the possibility open that Neuralink may eventually bring their entire brain-machine interface product inside the brain, with maybe just a small nightcap. Max writes pretty well, and he covers a variety of different topics, so I highly recommend checking out his articles. I haven't read all of them yet, but I'm hoping to finish them off soon. I'll add a link to Max's personal page in the description below the video. When Neuralink eventually reaches tens of thousands of employees, I'm hopeful Max will get the recognition he'll likely deserve. But if Tesla and SpaceX are any example, it's too bad he probably won't be a household name. Almost anyone at Tesla knew of J.B. Straubel and highly respected him, including after he left Tesla last year. Similarly, not very many people know of Gwen Shotwell, but she's clearly played a critical role in the success of SpaceX so far. That'll close this episode. If you like this episode, please do me a favor and like it, comment below the video, and share it. All of these things help the Spotify and or YouTube algorithms, and it'd be sweet to get this info out to more people. Thanks for listening, and see you at the next episode next Wednesday.